so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast. This week, we'll listen to a message from Fred Luter. He said, for the real problem in America is that the church is no longer being the church. The problem in America, not that sinners are sinning, they're supposed to do that. The problem in America is that the church is not really being the church. And because the church is not being the church, we are not making the impact that we should be making in America. Think about it. We should be lights in this dark world. How do we begin to change the status quo when the church is racially divided on Sunday mornings? At the ERLC Leadership Summit, Pastor Fred Luter helped us uncover the root of this issue. This message should challenge and encourage you. Give abuse to God, my Father, Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Savior of my life, Dr. Russell Moore, who uh, done a phenomenal job inviting us all to be here for these two days, Phone President Dr. Richard Land, amen, to all the other pastors and officials who are present here on today. I'm indeed delighted and excited because I've been invited to be here with you at this conference, at this summit. It's been a joy and it has been a privilege. Turn your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Revelation, chapter 5 as we'll share tonight in the Word of God. The book of Revelation, chapter 5, as we'll share in the Word of God. Beginning at verse 8, you'll find these similar words. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation have made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on the earth. Then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them were ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth And such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessings and honor 
and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Father and our God, Master, we thank you and praise you for this wonderful and exciting privilege that you've given me and given us to be here in Nashville, Tennessee at this ERALC Leadership Summit. Thank you for all that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard. Thank you for all the speakers, all the panel discussions, all the breakout sessions, the music, God, that has been, we've been blessed with by the praise team. God, I pray that we will leave here not the same, but challenged by your word to make a difference when we go back home. God, I pray that you'll do as I ask every time I preach your word. That is, God, let me decrease as you increase. Father, let them not see Fred, but God, let them see Christ. So then, God, that you may be glorified, the saints of God may be edified, Satan may be horrified. Lost sinners will come to repentance. And God, when it's all said and done, I'll be so very careful to give your name all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, let the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, one of the things that should be true of every Christian, one of the things that should be certain of every Christian, Pastor Sister Higgs, one of the things that should be definite of every Christian. It's a fact, Dr. Weathersby, that you, that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, when you become born again, when you become saved, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, is that there should be a definite change in your life. There should be a definite difference in your life. There should be a definite transformation in your life now that you are born again, now that you are a Christian. Dr. Croston Paul explains it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17 when he says, I think if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away and all things now become new. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, some things about you should be different now that you are a Christian. That now that you are born again, now that you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now that you are saved, now that you are in Christ. Listen, God did not give his son to die on the cross so that we will remain the same. Can I get three amens about right there? God did not give his son to die on the cross so that we may uh, uh, remain the same. However, God gave his son to die on the cross so that you and I would be changed. He gave his son to die that you and I would be changed. All things have passed away. All things now become new. In other words, your walk should be new. You don't go to the same places that you used to go. Your talk should be new when you become a Christian. You, you don't say the things that you used to say. Your thoughts should be new that you are now a Christian. You don't think the same ways that you used to think. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there should be a difference in your AC days after Christ from your BC days before Christ. Let me say that again. When you say you are a child of God, when you say you're a believer, when you say you are born again, that, that there should be a difference in your life. There should be a difference in your AC days after Christ than in your BC days, your before Christ. As a matter of fact, could that be one of the reasons why the church is not having more of an impact on the society that we're living in today? Could it possibly be that the reason, Jason, the reason, the reason that the church 
it's not, Kevin, to have any impact on society today. It's because of the fact that we're not really being the church. Think about it. With all of these churches in America, with all of these churches in your state and Mike in my state, with all the churches in your city and my city, and yet it seems like our nation is in a constant state of moral decline. It seems like the values in America are at an all-time low. Uh, have you thought about that? Uh, uh, look at some of the sitcoms that are being made, some of the movies that are being produced, some of the music that is being played, some of the violent video games that's on PlayStation and Xbox, uh, rampant crime in our cities and in our neighborhoods, the growing numbers of bullies in our schools, drug and alcohol abuse, rape, adultery, child molestation, same-sex marriage, abortion, pornography, and the main topic that we're here for these two days in Nashville at this leadership summit, racism are common occurrences today in our society. And I'm suggesting that right in the middle here of all of this chaos, but right in the middle of all of this confusion, right in the middle of all of this turmoil, is your church and my church. In the middle of all of this confusion, in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of all of this turmoil, is your church and my church. Dr. Tony Evans, who blessed us last night, said years ago, the problem in America is not that sinners are sinning. That's what they're supposed to do. Sinners sin. He said, but the real problem in America is that the church is no longer being the church. The problem in America is not that sinners are sinning. They're supposed to do that. The problem in America is that the church is not really being the church. And because the church is not being the church, we are not making the impact that we should be making in America. Think about it. We should be lights in this dark world. We should be salt in this low-sodium, saltless society. The church should be the one impacting culture. The church should be the one making a difference in our nation, in our states, and our cities. The church should be the one that's leading by example, particularly in the area of racial reconciliation. The church, Dr. Weber, the church, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the church, brother, should be exhibit A to the world. The church should be exhibit A to the nation. The church should be exhibit A to the country. The church should be exhibit A to the states. The church should be exhibit A to our cities when it comes to racial reconciliation in the kingdom of God. Church should be that person. The the church should be exhibit A when it comes to those things. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, if we should, if we are going, should be kingdom citizens, we should be kingdom citizens in everything, including racial reconciliation. We said that then, that okay. if, if we're going to be kingdom citizens, then the church should be kingdom citizens in everything, including racial reconciliation. That's the way God intended for it to be when He created the church in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, and that's the way it will definitely be. When we get to heaven, let me say that again. That's the way it was intended when God created the church. And that's the way it's definitely going to be when we all get to heaven. Hence the topic that I've been assigned at this conference, gathered at the throne, racial reconciliation in the kingdom of Christ. Here in the book of Acts, in the book of Revelation, I'm sorry. Here in the book of Revelation, chapters four and five, God allows the apostle John 
to see a vision of God's throne. Wow, what a what an opportunity. He has the Pastor John and allows John to see a vision of God's throne. God gives John a, a, a revelation of future events that will happen at the throne of God. Look, look at what he says there in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first verse which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one that sat upon the throne. God allows John to see how one day in the future, people from every nation, People from every tribe, people from every tongue will be gathered at the throne of God simply to worship God. Now, don't miss that, brothers. Don't miss that, sisters. These are people from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, uh, uh, gathered at the throne of God for the express purposes of worshiping God. And notice they were doing it together. These individuals from every tongue and every tribe and every nation were in the throne of God, Pastor Higgs, they were worshiping God together. Therefore, the question of the hour, brothers and sisters, is that why is that not happening in our churches today? Now, I know we got some exceptions here and there and this state and that state, but, but, but by and large, why is the picture that's in heaven not happening on a regular basis in our churches today? Could it possibly be because of racism? Could it possibly be because of the color of someone's skin? I will never forget, I was, years ago, I was invited to a, a church in, in Louisiana, up in North Louisiana, and uh, the neighborhood was changing like Franklin Avenue was doing at one time in the late 70s. It was white flights, white moved out, blacks moved in. And this pastor of this Anglo church wanted to invite me to his church and to preach and try to encourage people in the community to come to his church. Now, the problem was that here was a church that had the reputation that years earlier, deacons stood at the front steps of the church on Sunday morning and prevented any African-American from coming in the church. And this pastor said, Fred, this is crazy. Our neighborhood is changing. These people are in this community. I'd like you to come and and, and, and if you would preach for me, I'd say, well, bro, how that's going to work out if, if the deacons are standing at the front, at the front steps and not allowing African American to come in and say, I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, but I just need your help. I say, I'll tell you what, let, let's do this. When you put out the publicity, tell them that you're inviting someone to this meeting who's a national figure in the Southern Baptist Convention. Tell them you're inviting somebody in the, in the church who, uh, church has led the state in baptism, has led the state and uh, Sunday school attendance, and tell all these great things about me, but just do this. Don't put my picture up. And he did it. He didn't put my picture up. So they're expecting this national figure from Southern Baptist, uh, who, whose le- church is leading the state, and baptism was leading. And at that time, I was the second vice president of Southern Baptist Convention, and he did not put my picture up. I will never forget Ken as long as I live. This was on a Sunday night. I'm driving uh, uh, from New Orleans to get to this church, and I didn't get there in time. They were in the middle of their praise and worship at the beginning of the service. And I walked in that church, and it was like an ear of hot moment. The music stopped. 
The minister music stopped singing. The choir stopped singing. Everybody looked at me and all the pastors were able to do, oh, Lord, have mercy. What did I do today? And this was a church that proclaimed their love for God. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, could it possibly be that we're not making the impact that we should make in our churches, in our cities, in our states because of this giant call racism? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it years ago. It is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Brothers and sisters, that is appalling. Ladies and gentlemen, that is shocking. That That is amazing. And the reason that it's appalling, the reason why it's shocking, the reason that it's amazing is because of the people who make up the church. Some of y'all missed that. Some of y'all missed that. The reason, Dr. Land, that is shocking, the reason that it's amazing, that the reason, Trip, that, that this should not be is because of the people who make up the church, the members that make up the church. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but people in the church are supposed to be saved. People in the church are supposed to be born again. People in the church are supposed to be Christians. People in the church should have the attitude that red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. No matter your hairstyle, you can wear a fade and afro, dreadlocks, comb over a bald head, uh, you are welcome in this church. No matter how you dress, have on jeans or shorts or baggy pants or t-shirts, you are welcome in this church. No matter what's on your feet, Jordans, uh, 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 Converse, Nikes, or Reeboks, you are welcome in this church. No matter how your body looks, you may have on tattoos and earrings and body piercings, you are welcome in this church. No matter your music style, hip-hop, gangster rapper, rock and roll, or R&B, southern gospel, or even country and western, oh, Lord. You are welcome in this church, no matter your color, no matter your skin, no matter your ethnicity, your ethnicity, red, yellow, black, and white, you are welcome in this church. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, the only color that God is concerned about is the blood, is the blood, is the blood. The only color God is concerned about is the blood. Oh, that blood that reaches to the highest mountain, that blood that flows to the lowest valley, that blood that gives us strength from day to day, that should never lose its power. Brothers and sisters, the people in the church church should be different. The people in the church should walk different. We should talk different. We should think different, particularly when it comes to racial reconciliation. That's why I thank God for this leadership summit where we can take off the mask. We can take off the halo, where we can look each other in the eye and deal seriously about this issue called race, where we can look each other in the mirror and to thine own self be true. Man, how can we say we love God who we've never ever seen yet hate our brothers and sisters that we see every day? But not only do I thank God for this summit because of this topic, I also thank God for this text here in Revelation chapter 5. Because here in the text, God gives John a first-hand view of how the church We'll look one day, Leroy, when we all are gathered around the throne of God. 
God gives the Apostle Jonah a first-hand view of how the church is going to look when we all gathered around the throne of God. Not just one race, not just one color, not just one nationality. We're all around God's throne. We're all gathered at God's throne from every nation, from every tribe, and from every tongue, which leads to an interesting question that I need to ask in this sermon on tonight, and that is, what is the difference between the people in your church and my church as opposed to the believers here in Revelation chapter 5. What is the difference between the people in your church and my church, as opposed to the people here in Revelation chapter 5? How is it that they will be able to pull off in heaven what we would only hope to see in our churches on earth? How were they able to pull off this thing in heaven what we try and hope to see in our churches on earth? Well, brothers and sisters, I suggest that the church in heaven will consist of true, authentic, genuine Christians. I suggest that the reason they're able to pull it off is that the church, Dr. Moore, in heaven will be made up of true, genuine, authentic Christians. The kingdom of Christ will be made up of those who have an authentic, personal, genuine relationship with Christ. Not just those who are church members. Can I say that one more time? So I was at Franklin Avenue, I would have got a whole lot of amens about right there. Amen. I suggest to you today that they were able to pull off in heaven what we're trying to do on earth because the church in heaven will only be made up of people who have an authentic, personal, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just somebody who says they're a member of a church. Remember, Jesus had to deal with this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, when he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not did this and did that and preached here on Sunday? And Jesus will look at him and say, yeah, you did it, but I made you, but don't even know you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Wait a minute, how is it that you can be in a, mem- a member of the church? preaching in the pulpit, singing in the choir, serving in ministry, but yet stand before God, and Jesus says, I never even know who you are. Something's wrong there, y'all. You in the church, preaching in the pulpit, singing in the choir, serving in ministry, but stand before God. And he said, I never, ever knew you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the problems in our churches. We've confused church membership with being a Christian. We've confused church membership with being a Christian. I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? I'm asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you, is your name on the church roll? I'm asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you, do you sing in the praise team of the choir? I'm asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you, are you a church leader? Do you serve in leadership in the ministry? I'm asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you, are you a CME member that only come at Christmas, Mother's Day and Easter? We'll see it Sunday after next. But I'm asking you, are you a Christian? Jesus was said in that day, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not did all these things in that name? And Jesus said, I never, ever knew you. Dr. Moore said it yesterday at his phenomenal uh, beginning as he kicked this session off when he said the church should be what the kingdom looks like. The church on earth should be what the kingdom looks like. So the question that needs to be asked, is who are these believers? 
and Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5. Who are these individuals gathered at the throne? Who are these folk uh, uh, whose all their purpose is worshiping God together? Who are these people in heaven doing what we hope the church should look like? Well, our text gives us the answer. The Bible says the people that make up the church in heaven will be, first of all, those who have been redeemed. Those who have been redeemed. Look at verse 9 of Revelation chapter 5. The Bible says, the scripture says, the word of God says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you are slain, here it is, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason these folk were able to put it off because these were people who had been redeemed. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, anybody beside me been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Come on, don't joke with me. Don't play with me now. Anybody beside me been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Listen, I can't talk for anybody in here. Can't speak for Dr. Moore. Can't speak for Dr. Land. Can't speak for my brothers and sisters in here. But ladies and gentlemen, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. Oh, one day when I was lost, Jesus died up on the cross. I know it was the blood for me. Ladies and gentlemen, I was lost, but he redeemed me. I was on my way to hell, but he redeemed me. I was an outcast, but he redeemed me. I was a misfit, but he redeemed me. I was tore up from the floor, but one day Jesus looked me at my fault and saw my knees, and he redeemed me. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm not the only one here in this chapel in Nashville, Tennessee, who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, that's why the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord Can I jump up in here? Let let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're saved, you ought to say so. If you've been set free, you ought to say so. If you've been delivered from drugs and alcohol and moral lifestyle, you ought to say so. If you've been delivered by the attacks of the enemy, you ought to say so. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, when you know that you know that you know that you know that you know, you can't keep it to yourself. You got to let the world know that I've been redeemed by the blood of of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But then there's another characteristic of those gathered at the throne in Revelation chapter 5. Not only those who've been redeemed, but then secondly, they were able to do what they were doing in Revelation chapter 5. Not only because they were redeemed, but secondly, those who have a relationship. Those who have a relationship. Look at the first part of verse 10, Revelation chapter 5, the Bible says, and have made us kings and priests to our God. Look how personal that is. Has made us kings and priests to our God. Ladies and gentlemen, they were able to do what they did in heaven, not only because they were redeemed, but because these are people who had a relationship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, but I am convinced that when you have a genuine, authentic, personal relationship with Christ, there are just some things that you just won't do anymore. I'm convinced that you have a personal, genuine, authentic relationship with Christ. There are some things that will be different in your life. It's all because your relationship with Christ, because of your love for God. There are just some things you don't do anymore, not because you can't, because you're saved. Not because you're not tempted, 
It's because you're saved. Not that you got it all together and you're holy and to die, but there's just something you won't do anymore because of your love for God and because you're saved, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, washed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me you're saved and still shack it up. Don't tell me you're saved and still drinking like a fish. Don't tell me you're saved and still lying like a rug. Don't tell me you're saved and still cussing like a sailor. Don't tell me you're saved and still mean as a pit bull. Don't tell me you're saved but still don't like someone because of the color of their skin. Oh, yes, you may have religion, but I assure you, you don't have a relationship. You might have religion. You might have walked down the church aisle. You may have given the, uh, the, the pastor your hand. But you don't have a relationship because when you have a relationship, all things have passed away and all things now become new. Yes, you have religion, but you have no relationship because when you have a genuine, authentic, personal relationship with God, it truly changes your walk and your talk and your life. And your mindset, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I can't speak for nobody in here. A lot of brothers been in here, but knowing me a while, but my testimony is I was sinking deep in sin. Dr. more far from the peaceful shore, very deeply staying within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters he lifted me. Now, oh, I, oh, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. God's love lifted me. And ladies and gentlemen, when you have a relationship with Christ, God's love will change you. It will redeem you. And it's all because you're changed from the inside out. So why were these people able to do in heaven? But we only hope to be able to do on earth. Number one, they were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And if you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you're not the same. Secondly, they had a relationship with God. And when you have a relationship with God, you are not the same. And then finally, and again, thank you, Dr. Moe, for this wonderful privilege and opportunity that you've given me. The reason these saints of God were able to pull off what they did in Revelation chapter 5, not only because they were redeemed, not only Mark, because they had a relationship, but finally these are folk who had been reconciled. These are people who had been reconciled. Look at the second part of verse 10 in Revelation chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 9 and 10 together. And they sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people in every nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. Here it is. And we shall, we shall, we shall reign up on the earth. The reason they were able to do it is because they were reconciled. Ladies and gentlemen, once you've been reconciled, you can, you don't have a problem with reconciliation. I need to say that again. Once you've been reconciled and realizing it wasn't because you've been so good, not because you've been so kind, not because you are born on this side of the track or that side of the track. Once you realize that God looked beyond your faults and saw your needs and he gave you another habit. When you've been reconciled, you don't have a problem with reconciliation. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says those who who are reconciled shall reign with God on the earth. In other words, uh, what we are praying for now uh, uh, in heaven, what we are praying for now on earth, one day will be a reality. What we are praying for right now in our churches will one day be a reality. What we're striving for now in our churches will one day be a reality. What we're planning now at this conference will one day be a reality. When all of God's sons 
when all of God's daughters, when all of God's children will be gathered at the throne from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, from every race, from every nationality, red, yellow, black, and white. Red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in his sight. And the reason that we should be able to do it because of God's grace in our life through redemption, through relationship, and we've been reconciled. Ladies and gentlemen, the songwriter said it best. We are worshiping God. Not only here, but not only one day we're going to do it in heaven, we need to practice it here on earth. The songwriter said it best. When we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven. Not just y'all. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all get to heaven. Every tribe. Every nation, every race, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and we'll shout the victory. What a scene it will be when all of God's children are gathered at the throne. But until then, until then, until then, we need to do our best to make the church on earth look like what the church in heaven will be like. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this privilege and opportunity to come today and just share some words of hope of how we see it done in heaven, how it will be done in heaven. Hopefully, God, we can make it happen here on earth. But I pray that this summit, these topics, these discussions, these breakout sessions, these panel discussions will help all of us, God. Go back to our churches, back to our cities, back to our states, and deal honestly about the subject of racial reconciliation. God is not going to start in the White House, not going to start in the governor's house, not going to start in the mayor's house. It's going to start in the church house. By those who've been redeemed, by those who have a relationship, and by those who've been reconciled. And we'd be careful to give your name all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray and for us say, let the people of God say, amen. God bless y'all. Y'all pray for me. I'll pray for you. Thank you for joining us on the ERLC podcast. To subscribe to the podcast and find more information about racial reconciliation within the church, visit ERLC.com and join us next week when we hear a challenge for the church to be innovative.